You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. There are over 560 federally recognized Native American tribes in the United States, each with its own unique culture. Most, if not all, of the 217 native languages spoken within those tribes do not include a word for cancer. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Joel Heller, and with me today is Dr. Linda Baranz-Tepanoff, President and Grants Director for Native American Cancer Research in Pine, Colorado. Today we're talking about the NACR, the work they do to support the Native American communities medically, physically, and emotionally. Welcome, Linda. Thank you very much. Let's begin by talking about the NACR. When was the organization founded, and how did it get its start? Uh, We were founded in 1999, but we really started doing business officially as NACR in the year 2000, and we evolved slowly after starting work in the late 1980s with Native Americans who were not receiving appropriate care and appropriate referral to cancer services, treatment, not getting quality of care, having 9 to 12 months interval from the time of a biopsy to initiation of care. And over the years, it evolved into a network. Uh, We worked with multiple cancer centers, and we started our nonprofit then in 1999. How are you funded? We're funded 100% for grants. We have about 80% of our grant money comes from the federal government through NIH. Most of that is through the National Cancer Institute. We have a small amount that is from the National Human Genome Research Institute. We have multiple grants from Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and we have foundation grants such as from the Avon Foundation and from the Susan G. Komen Foundation. So we're all over the place. (laughs) So I guess the first question that comes to my mind after hearing you say this, 9 to 12 months from biopsy to initiation of care, that raises for me the question then of of what's going on with the state of health care in general for the Native American peoples. Well, contrary to most people's opinion, um, and based on a lot of misinformation in news uh, reports, Indians do not have comprehensive health care. We have never had comprehensive health insurance. Indian Health Service is underfunded tremendously by Congress. It is underfunded anywhere from 40 to 60 percent of the documented health care need, meaning that every fiscal year, which is October 1, the tribal leaders or urban clinic leaders must decide which health conditions are lower priority and which conditions they will refer out for help. So this contracted health services is the biggest reason why there are issues, and that's due to insufficient funding from Congress. What percentage of Native American peoples are getting their health care through the reservation or through their tribal councils as opposed to those that are out in just like myself that has insurance through work and that type of thing? Of the people who are in our Cancer Survivors Network, which right now is approximately 500 Native patients located throughout the United States and in Canada, so we have Canadian Aboriginals as well, we have less than one-third have insurance. If they have private insurance, we have a totally different scenario for what their experience is. For example, if a Native has a private insurance Most of them get into care unless it is catastrophic insurance, and that is the type of insurance that another 20% of our population is most likely to have, which is fine after you're diagnosed with cancer, but it means that you are not able to take part in early detection and prevention 
services. So catastrophic is not going to cover a mammogram, a pap smear, anything. The horse is out of the barn by the time, right. Right. So you're looking typically at much more advanced stages by the time they're getting diagnosed. So this is a problem throughout the country. Are you able to address from coast to coast? We have a good team of people that we work with throughout the country. Mayo Clinic has the Spirit of Eagles program that has links with major clinics and with programs throughout the United States, in particular in Alaska, which is critical because Alaska is the only area that has its own oncologist. And I believe they're supposed to be getting a second oncologist fairly soon. So that's the best place, um, in a sense. Of course, if you live in Alaska, you have to fly from Barrow or Kotzebue or you know, wherever you happen to live into um, Anchorage or into occasionally for some treatment into Fairbanks. And you can't get your pain medication unless you show up because, of course, it's a classified narcotic, and so you have to fly in yourself. So you can be in pain, get on a little bush pilot plane, fly for anywhere from five to nine hours, depending on where you're from and where your layovers are like, to get a renewal on your prescription. Wow. It's not at all what people think, and what's uh, it, it's very disconcerting. We have 60% of our population lives in the urban areas, and people think, well, you know, if you're Indian, you're okay. So when our patients start to need care and they live in the urban area, we have to start filing papers for Medicaid, Medicaid because so many of our cancer patients are diagnosed young, or if they're diagnosed older, of course, we file for Medicare. And the paperwork starts going through the processes and it gets kicked out because someone along the line says, oh, they're Indian, they have Indian Health Service, so we don't need to treat them. And we have to start the whole process over again. And most of our urban Indians are in the same situation. They do not have private health insurance. If they decide they have to go back to the reservation to get their care, they have to reestablish residency on the reservation. That typically takes six months. So they're diagnosed, let's say, here in Denver. They go back home to their reservation, maybe up in the Dakotas. They have to live there for six years before they uh, six months, not six years. <laughs> Thank God. Yes, that, that would um, be even worse. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but then they have to wait and get on the priority list. Well, anybody who is ranked on the contracted health service priority list with a condition higher than their condition of cancer gets referred out before they do. That's why we see the six to nine months for, like, breast cancer survivors. For males with cancer, the delay is longer. The interval is longer before they actually get help. Let's move specifically to talking about cancer. You, you were telling me about partnerships, for example, with Mayo Clinic and the University of Colorado. Tell me about how those programs work. We, we have networks that are actually with many different places. Uh, University of Colorado is where we work with our local communities. But for national, we work with the um, Alaska Native Medical Center. Uh, We work with Fred Hutch Cancer Research Center. We work with UCLA. Um, We work with actually cancer centers all over the country because that's where people are located. So what we have is a toll-free number uh, that you can contact one of our Native sisters, which is like a navigator, somebody to help you navigate the health care system. And they, uh, collectively, we all work together to try to find out who's the best person in that location to help them get the help they need. We also have people that we call Native Partners, and these are Natives, many of whom are also cancer survivors, 
who work one-on-one with the patients and help them get into the local care and help them communicate with their provider and get answers to the questions that they need. Uh, we work with Mary P. Lovato at Santo Domingo Pueblo. She's the first Native woman, a bone cancer survivor, uh, who started a gathering for cancer support. Uh, we work with C.C. White Wolf, who's with Native People Circle of Hope. She helps uh, support and helps different Native groups start cancer survivor support groups throughout the country. So there's many different informal um, networks that, that we use. How do, how do patients wind up coming to your organization uh, specifically? It's varied over the years. We call we frequently call it the moccasin telegraph, <laughs> <laughs> and it really is word of mouth that people kind of talk from one person and share it with another. What has been happening within the last six months has primarily been through our website because more people are becoming comfortable using it, not the patient per se, but they may go into the tribal center or into their urban Indian clinic and say they need some help, and someone there will go online. If you Google natamcancer.org, we're the very first site that shows up. And so they get to our website. They find out about the 800 number. If they click on the little tree, they get into the survivor um, quality of life information. And this is a collective project. By no means is this just NASA alone. We have partnerships with wonderful people throughout the country. So Dr. DeAnderoyne, who's Iowa tribe, uh, Jenny Joe, who's Navajo, both wrote the Diabetes and Cancer module. Uh, Karen Trujillo wrote Spirituality. Uh, Linda Krebs, Ed Gamito, uh, Rick Clark, they're co-investigators on the project. Um, so we spread out the work. Alice Bradley helps to explain comments. We have people who write comments at the bottom of most of the websites and we're getting about, at the moment, about 15 comments a day. Some of them are cultural requests, but the majority of them are medical. So people are coming to our website rather than going to WebMD and other sources for information. And we're, to be quite frankly, we're quite overwhelmed um, with what's coming in on the comments and the type of questions we're receiving. So it's quite a challenge, it sounds like. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 to to say at least, but it's also it's also incredibly rewarding. If you look at national data for our community, and let's say you look at breast cancer survivalship, the five year relative survival, which that means the percentage of women who are diagnosed with breast cancer who are alive five years after diagnosis. National data shows that it's about forty seven percent of Indian women are alive five years after diagnosis. The women who are in our network, we have 85% five-year relative survival. So we know something about the program is working. We know that cancer is not the hopeless condition that it used to be. We're not exactly certain which part it is. We think some of it is due to the Native partners and the good team that we have working with us around the country who work one-on-one with people and help them get into um, quality care in a timely manner. We think hope has a lot to do with it. Uh, One of the comments that we received on our website a few months ago was from a 27-year-old Navajo woman who her comment was, I just want to thank you for the website. She says, I just was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I thought I was going to die, and now I realize that there's hope and there's help out there for me. It's like, "Uh 
that makes the extra hours worthwhile. You don't you don't mind when you know that somebody's actually getting some help from it. What if you could give the website address and tell us how those interested that would like to help could? Our website address is http colon slash slash nat n a t like native a m like American the full word cancer dot org so natamcancer.org. I want to thank Dr. Linda Burns-Stipanoff, who has been our guest, and we've been discussing Native American Cancer Research Organization. I'm Dr. Joel Heller. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.